0: You know, one of the really cool things about being a parent of a small child is that 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 when you're when your child is little, he, he or she gets excited about the things that you're excited about. And, and 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 then there's a point in life when that child despises the things you're excited about. Those are called the teenage years, but when they're little, <laughs> it's so cool because Like the things that as a parent you're excited about, you're passionate about, you're enthusiastic about, like, your kids are naturally excited about those things and enthusiastic about those things, passionate about those things. It's, it's really, really fun to watch. Like my, my youngest daughter, for example, is is uh, incredibly passionate about many of the things that I'm passionate about. And a couple of years ago, we were actually uh, on location at, at a place that we consider to be uh, the, the Mecca, the the, the the greatest place in the history of the world. And, and while while she was, there, it was interesting. There, there was a guy that began to kind of hit on her, kind of fell head over heels for her, and it got a little awkward. I have to confess, I was a little nervous. This guy was a nut, I'll tell you, just an absolute nut. And I got a picture of it. Let me let me show it to you here. Uh, what, what we encountered that day, I mean. You can see how he's blushing to be in the presence of my daughter. And and he was so excited and you know what's funny? He acted that way with everybody. (laughs) And every Saturday, right next to me on the sofa or used to be in the stands, my youngest daughter's there cheering on our beloved Buckeyes, cheering them on, yelling at the TV, yelling at the officials. And and the scriptures say, train up a child in the way <laughs> she should go, and I feel like I'm doing that incredibly well. And and uh, my daughters now own her fandom, but you know, early on in her life, like. She was excited about our beloved Buckeyes because dad was excited about the beloved Buckeyes. And, and it's cool as a parent, you see in your kids the things that you're excited about, things that you're passionate about, like they get excited about, they, they're passionate about. And, and, and many times, not all the time, but many times those are things that later in life, they remain passionate about and excited about. They begin to own those things. And you know what's interesting about that? When, when, when you apply that, that 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 principle to like our relationship with God actually it's it's super super cool to think about because here here's one thing we see throughout the scriptures and one thing we see throughout human history that should be true of God's children the things that he's excited about the things that he's passionate about the things that 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 he is is compassionate about are the same things that his children should be excited about Amen. should be passionate about should be compassionate about The things that move the heart of our father, the things that motivate him, the things that 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 he is passionate about are the things that we should be passionate about. Should excite us, motivate us, mobilize us. And that's what this current emphasis called difference makers is all about. Looking at some people in the Bell Shoals family, they're making a difference for King Jesus in this way. They're simply emulating the heart of their father. Last week, we talked about the Womble family and, and their calling to be full-time international missionaries in some incredibly hard-to-reach places. And this week, we're gonna talk about another subject matter that is, that is very much close to the heart of God. Last week we saw that, that the nations are on the heart of our Father. We saw that the nations are are, are absolutely our focus because they're our Father's focus to reach the nations, to get the good news of salvation to the nations. The nations have always been on the heart of our Father. And this week, I I want you to see that, that there's another aspect of ministry and mission that is ours because it's also on our Father's heart and that's the ministry of adoption the ministry of orphan care, the ministry of caring for children in need. Do you realize that our father has a heart for the fatherless? Our father has a heart for children in need. Our father has a heart for those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who are left alone. And this is not just a new or a New Testament idea in the same way that God's love for the nations is not a new or a New Testament idea. Let me take you back to Psalm 68. Look at this with me. Psalm 68, where the scripture says, our God is father to the fatherless, the defender of widows. This is our God whose dwelling is holy. The prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter one, he said, learn to do good and seek justice and help. Help the oppressed defend the cause, look at this, of orphans and fight for the rights of widows. In other words, those who cannot care for themselves. Then we know James 1.27, a familiar verse to many of you says this, that pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing let the world corrupt you. You see, our God has always had a heart for those children in need, for orphans, for children without a home, children without a family to raise them and care for them to the extent that notice what Jesus says in comparing our current situation to our future glory. Jesus said this in John 14, I love this. He says, I will not abandon you as orphans, but I will come for you. Jesus says, I am not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I am coming for you. And I will take you to a place of eternal glory because I am not about the business of orphaning my Children, No, God has a heart for the orphan. God has a heart for adoption. And, and I want you to see today, and this may be new to some of you, that adoption is very much a part of the good news that we proclaim. After all, for those of you who are with us today, who are followers of King Jesus, you and I, are an adopted people. This is God's heart. And so when we think about adoption in an earthly context, in a physical context, let me show you a powerful takeaway. I encourage you to to take this down, that the foundation for adoption, okay, as we think about adoption today, the foundation of it is not the act of adopting a child into our family, but rather the act of God adopting us into his family. So what's the foundation of adoption? Why should we as, as a faith family care about the ministry of adoption? Why should we care about orphan care? Why should we care about ministry to, to mothers in our community, especially those who are in crisis pregnancy situations? Why should we care about fostering? Why should the, the, the family of God care about these things? I'll tell you why, Be, because all of our care for each other, all all of our care for adopt, uh, uh, need, children in need of adoption, of, of, of those in foster care, of caring for mothers who are in difficult situations, all of that simply reflects back on God's care for us. His adoption of us. So the foundation of adoption is not one of us adopting a child into our family. No, actually the foundation of adoption is the fact that God has adopted us into his family. And we're simply living out what God has done for us. And this is pictured for us so beautifully in in the book of Romans chapter eight. I wanna show you just a a few, few of these scriptures today that relate to the gospel and adoption as we as we focus on the things in this series that are very much on the heart of our Father, our Heavenly Father. This is the apostle Paul writing to a, a first-generation group of believers in Rome. These aren't people that grew up in church. These aren't people who knew the gospel from childhood. These are all first-generation believers. They're all introduced to the salvation of Jesus in adulthood, and so Paul's educating them on just the profound aspect of their salvation. And here's what he says in Romans 8 and verse 20. He says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do, no. Rather, if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Paul helps us to understand, notice right out of the gate that, that, that there's a new community formed. I love this. It's easy for us to look past this, but Paul actually says, in, in referring to these believers in Rome, he refers to them in the original language as brothers. Brothers, sisters, family. Now for you and me, that term brothers doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, you know how we use the word brother when we forget somebody's name? Oh man, good to see you brother. Good to see you. That is code for I don't remember your name. Hey guys, those of you who are single and you're, you're praying for, for a spouse, let me, let me give you a little piece of advice, okay? When, when that girl you're dating says to you, I love you, but I love you like a brother. That is the end of your relationship. What she's saying to you is she don't really love you, okay? But she's trying to let you down easy because you're a big baby. And so she's, she's trying to let you down easy. No, I love you, but I love you like a brother. That's code for I don't love you and I want you out of my life. We use the word brother very casually in, in our culture. I mean, and honestly, if it's taken seriously, it's, it's only connected to like a blood relative, right? But, but I want you to see here in Romans eight, when, when, when Paul writes to these first generation believers and he says, brothers, we are brothers and sisters, this was a game changer. He's saying we are family. He's talking to some who were converted out of Judaism. He's talking to some who were Samaritans. He's talking to some who were ethnic Gentiles. He's talking to people groups that at one time despised each other, but are now worshiping together, serving together, doing life together, and are now brothers and sisters of the same family together because of the adopting grace of God. This is important. Look around the room today. Those of you who are Christ followers, what you see are your brothers and sisters. I know some of you are like, I don't want that as a brother. Okay, think of some as distant cousins. That's fine. But <laughs> this is really important. Paul saying out of the gate, you are now brothers, you are sisters. And then notice the emphasis on the spirit. He says, and you have the same spirit. You know, you know, what, you know what that means? That every single child of God has the same DNA. We have the Holy Spirit of God in us. We're family. That's why as I've traveled the world and I've met with believers in highly persecuted areas, I've heard them say time and time again that they're closer to their Christian family than their birth family. Some of them have been disowned. And they regard now their immediate family as their brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a big deal. Paul says, your brothers and your sisters. And here's why he says this. Look at verse 14 with me. He says, because every single one who is led by the spirit of God are what? The children of God. And how do we become the children of God? Look at Romans eight fifteen. Look at what he says after this. He says, so you've not received a spirit that makes you slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when you were what? Adopted, when he adopted you as his own children so that now he, he, he is known to you as Abba, Father, this term of endearment. In other words, you don't need to make an appointment to talk to your father. You have immediate access In the same way that one of your children can call you, text you, reach out to you at any time, any moment, you have that level of access to God, your father. He's no longer just the God of this universe, the powerful maker of heaven and earth, the one true and living God. He is also now your father and you, a son or a daughter. And he's given you his spirit now to, to, to guide you, to convict you, to encourage you, to sustain you. This is the DNA running through your veins and mine, we are brothers and sisters adopted by the same father. And, and, and therefore then check this out. I love how, how Paul concludes this section. He says there in verse 16, for, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. In other words, it's, 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 it's like a legal transaction. It's, it's, there, there's an official transaction like check. Yep, his spirit, your spirit now aligned. It's the same spirit. We are his children. And then he says this in verse 17. And so since we are his children, we are also heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. The road can be difficult at times. The Christian journey is not always easy, but here's the hope that we have. For those adopted by God's grace into God's family and dwelt with God's spirit, we get the same heaven as God's son, Jesus, who is the Messiah. Do you realize today as a follower of Jesus Christ, your identity is no longer in who you used to be. Your identity is in who you are right now as a child of God. Full stop, you have all the rights, all the blessings, all the privileges as Jesus. You will get the same heaven, the same access to the Father. What we see is Jesus communicating through his earthly ministry that he's coming to establish a kingdom that will never end. And this work of Jesus is to bring a, a, a one-time rebellious people into God's family through adoption so that we get the same heaven, the same eternal glory that he gets. My wife and I have four children and 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 and, and our our fourth had had uh, quite the uh, quite the introduction to the world. He 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 he, he was a, a pretty big baby and as my wife was carrying him at one point they thought that she was going to deliver very very early and so she was actually in the hospital a month and and uh, we we thought for sure he was going to be born early. And I, I remember just contemplating that and the realities, preparing for all that. And you you know, had that happened, I wouldn't be here today saying, oh yeah, let me introduce my family to you. Here, Here are my three children. Here's my premature child. Right? Like, that's not how that works. Now he didn't come premature. He actually came late because that's God's sense of humor. Some of you though may have children who were born premature, but You don't introduce them later in life for for something that, that they encountered early. No, their identity is not tied to what happened before. Their identity is tied to who they are now. They are your son or they are your daughter right? And in the same way, I want to give you some good news today. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, the forgiveness of your sin, the hope of eternal life, when he adopts you at that moment into his family and fills you with his spirit, listen to me very, very carefully, who you used to be is no longer your identity. It's all about who you are now in Jesus. You are a son or you are a daughter. You may be here this morning, maybe connecting with us online this morning. You've never, ever, ever in your life come to Jesus and Jesus alone for your salvation. Maybe you've leaned into religion. Maybe you've leaned into your good works. Maybe you're connecting with us today because you know there's something broken in your life. Let me tell you about the person who can fix it, the only person who can fix it. His name is Jesus, and he died for your sin and he rose from the dead so that you could have eternal salvation, eternal life, and you'll put your faith in Jesus today. He will adopt you into his family, give you his spirit, radically change your life and your identity moving forward will be that of a son or a daughter of the king. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me show you what Jesus said in John 14. I love this. This is what Jesus said. He said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If not, I would have, I would have told you. And so I'm going away to prepare a place for you because you are now an heir You're gonna be getting what I'm getting, the same heaven, the same glory, the same life eternal. And Jesus says, I'm going away now to work on that place, to make that a reality, so that where I am, you will be also. Do you realize you're not just a son or a daughter today, you're also an heir. Your inheritance is fixed in heaven. No one or no thing can ever take that away from you. This is the work of God in his spiritual adoption of his children. This is his heart. And therefore, we see some parallels between our spiritual adoption and what we know as physical adoption. Adoption in the world today. The role of the church to Minister to children in need through adoption, through foster care, through ministry to mothers in hardship and crisis. Let, let, me, let, me, let me show you some connections. First of all, I want you to see that, that, that adoption, think about connections to spiritual adoption and physical adoption. Adoption requires a significant cost. May I remind you, that your salvation is free to you, but it costs Jesus everything. Amen. We talk about salvation being free. It's only free to us. It was not free to God. That's why Paul said this in Galatians four, look at this. at When the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law. So that, check, check, check this out in, in verse five that God sent him to buy, to purchase freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And then he says, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, right? Prompting us to call out Abba, Father. And not only to call out Abba, Father, but also then to to receive the same blessings of Jesus. Because if we're his child, we are also his heir. You see the similarities what Paul says in Romans. He says the same thing in essence here in Galatians, saying, listen, salvation always comes with a cost. Who paid the cost for our salvation? Who redeemed us from the curse of our brokenness and our sin? Who took that that death, that sin debt upon himself? Jesus did. Your salvation is not cheap and your salvation is not free in the sense that it just miraculously comes with no cost to anyone. No, it came at a great cost to God. And adoption is costly. Our spiritual adoption was costly. We praise God today in His grace that Jesus paid it all. Isn't that a good hymn? Some of us grew up with it. Jesus paid it all. And we see that there are many families today moving through the adoption process. Guess what? It's expensive. As we said last week, not everyone's called to full-time missions, not everyone's called to adopt a child. But I believe it is the mission of the church that some be called to adopt, some led to adopt, and some move through that journey And then for those not led through that journey itself, to support those who are, to be a blessing to those who are, to pray for those who are, and to give when we can to those who are. Because adoption requires a significant cost. Secondly, I want you to see adoption involves the changing of a legal status. It, it involves a changing of a legal status, right? It's, it's, it's literally a radical change whereby spiritually we go from a people who, who are outcast, outsiders, enemies, and then we go through a legal process. This is the language that's used in the New Testament where before the judge of all of the earth, we are pardoned and we are, we, we are adopted into the family of God. There's a change of legal status, no longer slave to sin, now son or daughter of the king. You say, well, what's the verification of that? The presence of the Holy Spirit. And in the same way, what we understand in the adoption process is that every single child who moves through that process, when they have that change of legal status, they are ever much a son or a daughter, a brother or a sister as one who is naturally born. There is no distinction. There is no difference. Because here's what I, I want to remind you of. Spiritually speaking, none of us are naturally born sons and daughters of God. Every single one of us are adopted into his family. And that change of legal status is what brings us right before the judge. And therefore, one of the blessings of adoption is seeing families move through that process where there is a change. And that change represents a child being officially recognized as a son or a daughter. And then finally, let me show you one more connection. I I love this, adoption begins with hardship. This is true, but it ends with hallelujah. I love how Paul in Romans eight talks about the fact that you know what, the the Christian life is, is not easy. There is suffering involved. But, but here's the good news. For those of us who are sons or daughters of the king, there is a better day coming where God's taken that hardship. He turns it into hallelujah. He actually says this later in Romans 8. He says, for we know that all creation has been groaning as the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too, he says, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as what his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. Paul says there's a better day coming, a greater day coming. There is salvation coming, eternal salvation coming. There is hardship now, but hallelujah is on the way. And this is the blessing of God that he turns our hardship on a hallelujah. And I I tell you, that's exactly what we see with families moving through adoption. It's hard. There is some hardship, there is some difficulty that's prompted the adoption, that there's some hardship, some unique difficulty that's prompted a mother to 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 give up a child. But but through all that hardship, through all the trial, through all the tears, let, let me give you some good news. God works through the adoption process physically, just like he does spiritually, to turn that hardship into hallelujah. And that's why it's so incredible to support what is so near and dear to the heart of our Father.